First of all, before I get started, I want to wish you mothers a very happy Mother's Day. Uh, growing up with a single parent mother, I know how hard the work can be. And so uh, mothers have a, a special place in my heart, and I just honor you today. And today's message is not a Mother's Day message, but it is a Mother's Day message. It's a message for all of us. In fact, what's funny is you'll probably hear a lot of things Pastor Alina almost said word for word some of the things I will say today. So God is definitely up to something. The title of my sermon is, Take Back Your Voice. Take Back Your Voice. See, the enemy has wanted to shut you up because he knows if you say nothing, nothing can happen, nothing can change. See, he wants to keep you mute so that you won't speak what he says. But I'm here to declare to you today, take back your voice. Come on, take back your voice. See, the enemy wants to silence you, keep you on the sidelines, have you really incapacitated where he can do what he wants and God's will isn't fulfilled on the earth. But if we listen to the voice of the Lord and we do what he says, he can accomplish everything he desires on this earth. And he will use you to do that if you allow him to use your voice. So take back your voice. Come on, take back your voice. I need you to hear those words today because we say it so often, take back, take back, we're taking it back, but it's not just some refrain to make us feel good. It's a mandate that God has on this house to take back whatever the enemy has stolen from you. I'm here to tell you he's stolen some things from me and I intend to take them back, but I can't be silent. God has given us a voice in Genesis chapter 1, it says he spoke and there was. He used his mouth and our mouth is a gift from God to speak what he says. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, this is Jesus speaking, so that they would have life and have it abundantly. You may have heard and life to the full. I know that's one of Pastor Easy's favorite scriptures to quote. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came so that you would have life and have it abundantly. Now, if you notice, I've never really paid attention to this. There's a succession by which the thief aims to take depending on what he can get by with. See, first comes the theft. See, if you look at it, actually, when it breaks it down, what it says there is he might steal. He might kill. He might destroy. See, there's not a given that the enemy can take, but he'll take what you give him. He'll take as far as you will let him go, he will take. So first comes the theft. So he takes what's not his, and then he kills. Now, if you're like me, you wonder, if he kills, then how can we move on to destroy? Well, let me, let me explain. If I'm already dead, how can I be further destroyed? Well, the usage there of kill is actually tied to the butchering of animals. Most of the time, it was about a sacrifice of animals. So really what it was saying there and what was meant to, to convey is that the enemy wants to not only take from you, but he wants to inflict pain so that you can't move on. See, he wants to leave you feeling hopeless. He's taken everything. I can no longer move on from this position. He wants you to feel the loss, and then ultimately, he wants to... Take the opportunity to destroy, to completely wipe you out and leave you with complete and utter devastation if we allow him to. 
but I would step out on a ledge and say there's places in our hearts and in our lives and in our attitudes where the enemy has truly destroyed everything. There's pieces. He's not got it all, but there's places in us where wounds have come, where lies have come, where deception has come, and he's taking that piece so much that we don't even see it anymore. But I speak to you today. It's time to declare, take your voice back. Come on, take back your voice. You have a voice. God gave us a mouth, so speak. So speak. See, he's given you the mouthpiece to vocalize what he is saying. His word should come out of your mouth. The Bible says that rivers of living waters shall flow out of you. When we speak his word, it's living waters that flow out of us, life-giving words. See, in John 10.10, in context, you'll hear many people saying that it's speaking specifically of religious leaders, and you can't really ascribe that word to the devil. Well, then I have a question for you. Who do we ascribe the thief to? They say you're taking it out of context. Well, in reading the scripture, I can tell the passage is trying to talk about, it's dealing with intention. There's an intentionality, a purpose that the thief comes with. See, he's coming to disrupt you. He's coming with the intention to rob you or to take something that belongs to you and he takes for his gain. See, my thought is anything that takes away from you and what God has declared you can have and what he says you can have, I would say is your enemy and should be treated as hostile. Can I get an amen? See, and I do know of a particular being that used to be an angel, and then all of a sudden he had grander plans to take what wasn't his. And if I don't know who describes the devil, then the thief who comes to steal, that's his M.O. That's who he is. See, the enemy comes to take, but there is a better way. See, it reminds me of the infomercials back in the day, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. And it never ends. It's like an hour-long infomercial. But wait, there's more. But in this case, but wait, there's more. See, he says, I have come to give you life, not only life, but life to the full. Overflowing, in abundance, more than you could ever dream, hope, or imagine. All-encompassing, all around. That's the kind of life we are called to live. Take back your voice. See, we here at the Epicenter or in a season, like I said, that God has mandated to us that we are to take back what God, well, I'm sorry, what the enemy has stolen from us. If you've been here for any short time, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind you've heard from this very pulpit someone saying those exact words. And maybe you think, can we just move on? I, I've heard it, I, I've got it. But see, that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do stop paying attention. You know, I, I, don't worry about it. Ignore the man behind the curtain. There's nothing to see here. Move on. See, he wants to distract you at all cost because he knows the power that lies in your mouth. See, there's a power we have, and we choose to whether use that power for good or for evil, to build up or to tear down. So what are you choosing to say? See, when the enemy takes something from us, the problem is he convinces you it's gone 
and you'll never get it back. It's gone. You have no hope to recover. It's just too hard. It's just too much work. It requires too much focus, too much attention. You mean I've got to do something? Yes. When a thief in the natural comes to your home, do you just sit back and go, well, isn't that nice? I just got cleaned out. Isn't that cool? And then you go about and you just start repurchasing everything, acting like it's no big deal. No, what do we do? We call the police, we make a report, and we say, I have been robbed. But with the enemy, the devil, we say, what was that? We ignore what was taken when God has given us the authority to reclaim what the enemy has stolen from us. Because my God is greater than the devil. And if you don't think we can't reclaim what the enemy has stolen, then you serve a weak God. And I'm here to tell you that God will move on your behalf when you line with his words and you declare his goodness over any situation. See, he wants you to recover. David said, shall I recover? He said, surely you shall recover all. All. You shall recover all. It's not out of context. You shall recover all that God says you can have. If he said it, you believe it, you'll see it. But there's a choice. It's about the words we say and the things we accept. I've never shared this publicly a couple years ago. I began to have a panic attacks. All out of the blue, I was at a doctor's office or I was getting an MRI, and all of a sudden I just couldn't breathe. Started to freak out, didn't know what was going on. I've shared with a few people, but just, it just began a series of panic attacks where I couldn't control what was going on. I ran to Pastor Easy and Lena's house. I'm like, explain what's going on. Like, I just can't control this. I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I just, I would shake. I would, my chest would pound. Like, it was a huge deal to me. And I just began to, every time, it would just continue to happen, continue to happen. I would be just uh, doing anything, anything that I felt, any constraint, I would just start to freak out. I would sit on the front row thinking, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And I would try to control it, but my, I was shaking on the inside. And all of a sudden, I thought, this is not what God has for me. This is not what God has for me. And I do not believe it. So what I had to do was, I had to start combating what was happening to me. You're alive from the pit of hell. You panic, I speak to you and I cast you down. Anxiety, I speak to you and I cast you down. And my body would start to tremble and I would think, you're going to go to the hospital. And I would say, I'm not going to the hospital. Where I'm going is right here, staying here, being healed. Devil, I do not believe your lies. This is not how I'm going to spend the rest of my days. So I began to war over the words. I began to say against them, no, you're not going to the, the hospital. No, you're not going to die from this. No, you're not going to always have panic attacks. Oh, here it comes. No, 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 here not. It does not come. So I began to declare over myself. I spoke to my mind. I said, mind, forget what happened the day you had the panic attack. Muscles released the stress that you felt that day because one thing would lead to another, lead to another. It was a cycle that would begin to happen and I would go through the same process until I started to battle it and still I started to, de to declare this is not who I am. This is not from you. I shall not live like this. And little by little, I would gain more victory. I would gain more victory. I would gain more victory. And then like the thought would come and I would my, my insides would move just a little, but it was just a little, and I would still speak, no, 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 body, you're going to let go of the trauma. You're going to let go of the memory. And to this day, I haven't had a panic attack in over a year, because that's the kind of power we have. Yes, it's an extreme example, but it's an example nonetheless that God wants to move in your life. But you've got to speak. See, if I'd have remained silent, 
I'd have dealt with panic attacks for the rest of my life. Probably couldn't have led worship. Probably couldn't have preached a sermon about it. But I can stand here today and talk about it and not even feel the one thing on the inside. That's the kind of power my God has when we line up with what he says. How about a Mother's Day message for you? The power lies within you. Take back your voice. See, I could have given up. I could have just said, Pastor Easy and Lena, I can't deal with this. I just can't seem, I'm, I just, I'm scared all the time. But that, I just decided this is not how I'm going to live. I know I've said it before. One, one time, in the, it was many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, I was eating some sort of like dish at a Papa Do's. Sorry, Papa Do's. I, I, um, I, I started to have a, an allergic reaction to shellfish. And I've never had a shellfish reaction in my entire life. So I'm rushed to the emergency room. I'm like barely able to walk. I'm like folding in like... I was literally like gasping for breath, and I got there, and the nurse says, you're doing that, and I'm like, wait, what? She's like, yes, you're freaking yourself out. So I'm like, okay. So after they asked me how many drugs I'm on, I was on, and I kept trying to convince them I'm not on drugs. I'm a minister. I, I swear I just lead worship. The only drug I'm on is Jesus, but hey, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I've, I've never done a drug in my life. Like, I was offered weed once when I was like 16, and I'm like, get the heck out of here. Like, I don't know what that stuff's going to do to me. I'm frightened of drugs. No drugs. It's just me. So there I am. They tell me, well, you've had a, an allergic reaction to shellfish. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. Because <laughs> I've eaten shrimp and stuff before, and I will eat shrimp again. Not that I love shrimp. I really don't even care for it. But I thought, I am not going down without a fight. <laughs> so I determined in my heart and in my mind that I was just going to show the devil who I was. So I began to order like uh, shrimp ro egg rolls, those like Vietnamese egg rolls. And like things would come with shrimp and I would think, oof, you shouldn't eat this. And I thought, yes, I should. And the devil would say, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to breathe. And I'd go, yes, I can breathe. And I would take a bite and I would feel my, my throat close up. And I would go, no, 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 no. My God says, I shall be healed. I shall live in victory. So I just declared, shrimp, I'm going to eat you and you're going to be fine. You're not going to have a reaction. And little by little... I'm free. I eat whatever I want. I'm just telling you, there is a way that we can get in agreement and in alignment with him. I'm not saying you, there's not things we have to walk through because you have to literally walk them out. It's not like I had victory the very next day. But it was a process of where I wasn't going to back down. I had to use my voice. So take back your voice. It's yours. Why don't you use it for good? Why don't you use it to further the gospel. Why don't you use it to establish order? Why don't you use it to establish peace, love, hope? See, we just think taking it back is just too much work. And if anyone, anyone can move on too quick, that's me. I mean, it's a joke around here. I'm not too proud of it. Out of sight, out of mind, that's me. But I'm just cautioning us today. Don't move on too fast. See, God is wanting to accomplish something corporately and individually. Why? Because there's things he wants to do. He wants to establish this as a healing center. And we got to speak what he speaks. There is a language we must learn, and it's his language. There's a language of healing we must operate in. Ecclesiastes 3, 7 through 8 says this. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love 
and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. See, there's a proper and wise time to stay still or to speak out. There's a time to engage in battle and in warfare, and then there's a time to rest from the war and be at peace. See, there's a proper time. But if we're going to take it back, it's not a proper time to be silent, but a time to speak. Are you with me? It's not a proper time to be quiet. It's a time to speak. See, we've got to battle the enemy. We've got to tell him no longer. Out of our mouths, we must speak. I'm taking back what you have tried, what you've stolen from me. See, but the power that we have, but we must be cautious that we don't give power to the wrong words. See, I just believe we're entering a season and are in a season where we must pay close attention to the words we say, lest we continue to speak out of both sides of our mouths. We all do it. See, I know for me, I'm purposely monitoring what I think I believe versus what I say. See, and sometimes if we listen to what we say, our words don't actually match what we think or what we think doesn't match what we say. And what we need to do is come into an alignment where we're saying what he says. What his word says. Not what we think. Not what we hope. Not what we've figured out. But what his words say. Words have power. See, I don't know if kids still use this lingo today. But growing up in elementary school, if someone hurled insults at you. Or they were making fun of you. The comeback was, six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Usually the words hurt very badly. I mean, the words hurt. Like whoever said that is a liar and they need to be, they need to be punished for it. Because the truth is, words can hurt. We use words, maybe when a couple is getting into an argument or a husband and wife, and, and one is really upset, they may use words to cut the other person down. See, words have impact. Words can tear down and words can build up. See, we choose the words that we say. See, words are powerful. They shape pe people. They shape children. Couples, they, 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 they center around words. Words are flying back and forth. I remember, uh, and I'm, I've shared it many, many times. Uh, my grandfather, back when I was probably like seven, eight years old, we're at a spring and we're all walking. and uh, We just happened to try to walk across the creek. And so, of course, me, I, I was not the most agile kid, still, still not, uh, but I'm walking across these rocks, and my foot slips, so boom, in the water I go. And I heard out of his mouth, well, I knew if anyone was going to do it, it would be you. Now, I love my grandfather. He is, he's amazing to me. But as a child, what he probably just meant as a passing comment set something in me to where I n no longer saw myself as just a kid having fun. I saw myself as clumsy, as klutz, and the one that's going to always hit themselves. And to be honest, that's actually what happened in my life. I began to have a pattern of if I was going to hit something, if I was going to fall, if I was going to stumble into something, it, it happened. And it wasn't actually until I, I had the thought one day, oh my gosh, I've accepted those words as me. Did I, did, I say, did I challenge the word, and then I broke free of it? just doesn't happen anymore. I'm not stumbling into stuff. I'm not hitting my arm. I mean, occasionally you do. But like I noticed there was a pattern because those words truly formed and shaped in my head. See, words have impact. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.21 that life 
and death are in the power of the tongue. Death. Now, does that mean that we're, we're, when I speak something, they're, they're going to die? No, no, no. It just means anything opposite of life. See, anything that is destructive is from death. Anything that tears down. Anything that's hopeless. So, look at the words, in the power of the tongue. In the power literally translates to the word hand. So, if something is in my hand, then it is considered in my possession and under my authority. So, it's either life or death. Picture if I had a, a two fruit in my hand. One is marked life. One is was marked death. Okay, well, it's in my hand. So, the one that I choose to bite from is the one that I will eat the fruit of. You get what I'm saying? We choose what we partake of. The words you say, whether you think it or not, you're choosing to eat the fruit of life or you're choosing to eat the words of death. See, the power is in your hands. Never think that the words are just flying out of your mouth and there's nothing that can, that can stop it. Uh, no. No one's controlling your mouth. It could happen, but let's not talk about it for another day. But the truth is we have self-control that we don't have to say everything that wants to come out of our mouths. See, we have the ability to choose. The, the Bible says, I choose before you this day, choose life or choose death. And every time we, we, we decide to say something, we're choosing what we're going to do. Out of our mouth, life or death. And that's what we eat of. So the choice is ours to either bring destruction or what brings life. My words, our words, either build up or they tear down. James 3, 1 through 12 tells us just how destructive our tongues can be. James 3, 1 through 12, I'm reading out of the New American Standard, the only Bible that's appropriate. I mean, if you want to be confused, whether you read of it. No, I'm just kidding. New American Standard, James 3, 1 through 12. Do not become teachers in large numbers, my brothers, since you know that we who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to reign in the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their whole body as well. Look at the ships too. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are nevertheless directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot determines. Do you get that? So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Oh, how we boast. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. I don't think he's confused about it. The tongue is set among our body's parts as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. You've got some pretty strong words. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people. We have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. These things should not be this way. Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? 
Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, he loves that word, bear olives or wine, or sorry, or vine bear figs, nor can salt water produce fresh. Yet, we live our, miles, our lives, much like I said earlier, talking out of so, both sides of our mouth. With one minute where we bless God and the next minute we're cursing other people or we're cursing ourselves because we're not in agreement with what he said. See, James isn't confused. He isn't struggling to express what, what he perceives as one of the primary places where we are to exhibit some self-control. See, self-control is not a bad thing. See, he's not on the fence about it. He understands the disastrous effect our tongues can produce if given the opportunity. Look at verse 4 again. Look at the ships too. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are nevertheless directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot determines. See, our tongues set our course. Do you get that? See, it moves us in a direction. What we say is where we're headed. What we say is where we're going. If we say something, we're casting a vision and we're walking towards that vision. What are you saying? See, our tongues move us in the right direction, like a rudder, or we get off course and begin to fall off, off where God has us moving. See, by definition, a decree is an official order issued by a legal authority. See, the key part of this definition is that there's legal authority. For a decree to be official, it means it can be executed. And you are given the authority to decree what God says you can have. So I want to look at what do we declare. And God spoke to me when I began to, to pray over, over the sermon. I had all the, the verses together. I knew sort of what God was saying, that it was time to take our voice back. But I was just, I was just praying, God, I just know there's, there's something you're trying to get to me. There's more. And so I was praying one, one early one morning. I began to pray, and so I was just praying, God, you know, what, what are you trying to say through this message? I know what you're, what you're saying, I know the points, but God, I just feel like there's something more. And so I was praying, and then all of a sudden, it was early in the morning, so I, I decided I was going to go back to sleep. So what happened was, you know, once I stopped praying, which sometimes he's just waiting on us to shut up. It was like once I stopped praying, it was like right as you're about to fall asleep again, everything became clear, and I just heard the words, and I saw them. Clear as day, it just was the language of healing. Now, do I know what all that means? No. But I just get a sense that God is saying we must develop a language of healing. A language of healing. See, we are to speak the language of healing. Heaven speaks the language of healing, and we need to get in alignment with that. So what does that look like? Well, it's interesting that I was in Matthew 5, verse 9, and it says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. When you look up what peacemakers means, here's what it means. Properly, a peacemaker bravely declares God's terms, which makes someone whole. That is the language of healing. See, when we speak to someone, we speak to make them whole. What are you speaking you want to be whole? Declare his terms. You want to see your family whole? Declare his terms. You want to see relationships restored? Declare his terms. But first, begin with you. 
before you start, start declaring terms over someone else. First, get your house in order. Declare what God has said over you. Get yourself in order. See, the only way to find healing and wholeness is to declare God's terms over your situation. See, wholeness can only come when God's terms are honored. There's no way around it. It's either his way or your way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, we've got to go his way, but oftentimes we want to do it our way, which ends up in corruption and which ends up in death when he is trying to give us life and life abundantly. Are you getting this? See, our words should be wrapped in healing, declaring his heart, his motives, his intentions, his desires. We must speak Jesus. It's not just a song. This world needs Jesus. And for far too long, the church has spoken other names, but we need to get back to the basic, and we need to declare his name over every circumstance. We declare Jesus. That's how we get our voice back. We, we don't declare what we think. We don't declare what we want to say. We don't want to declare what we want to get. We declare what God is saying. His terms are the only way. So whose terms are you declaring over yourselves, over others? Is it God's terms? Is it God's thoughts? Is it God's attitudes towards you? God's counsel, his wisdom? Or is it yours? See, a peacemaker declares God's terms, which makes someone whole. But they don't declare it. They bravely declare it in spite of what it looks like, in spite of what the circumstances say, in spite of what I've seen, what I've not seen. In spite of my failures, in spite of the weaknesses, in spite of my lack, I still bravely declare his words. See, when we speak, we should speak from the motivation and from the heart that wants to bring wholeness to ourselves and others. Now, does that mean that I always have to say nice things? I just got to say nice things to this person. I can't really speak truth. No, no, no. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects. The problem is no one wants to grow up. That's a harsh reality. Really, you're bucking God's word and his will is because you don't want to grow up. You want to stay on the milk when he's trying to feed you the meat, but you're happy drinking the milk when he says, I've got a better quality of food that will sustain you even more, yet we're just too busy following our own plans to want to follow his way. See, we should speak from a place that brings wholeness. Everything we say should be wrapped in the language of healing. God is in the restoration business. He's in the reconciliation business. He's in the forgiveness business. See, we've got to operate how he operates. Or we are out of order. Not him. We are out of order. See, words have power. So we have to make sure we're connected to the right source. See, when we're in, a, in agreement or in line with his word, connected to him, Jesus himself connects to our declarations. See, if the declaration is connected to the character, desire, intent, and will of God, Jesus binds himself to our words and life fills what you say. See, all around you, on every side. So what do we speak? We speak from a position of faith. And we speak the end result. See, no matter what it looks like, we speak 
the end result. See what I mean? Well, oftentimes, we have no trouble speaking, regurgitating, rehearsing our current problems, our current situations, what's not going to happen, what, what, what's going to happen, but it's not a good thing. There's no positive outcome. We are very good at complaining, but yet we must speak the solution. See, we speak the end result. Jesus spoke the end result to Lazarus. See, in the natural realm, it was over, done. He was dead, not anything happening. But when God is involved, things are, that, things are not as though they appear. See, John eleven forty three. 43, Jesus is on his way to go to Lazarus because he's got the news that he's sick. And on his way there, he, he, uh, Lazarus is, has died. And Jesus says, this is, not a, this is not a sickness that will lead to death. He's only asleep. So John eleven forty three. 43, he's arrived. And it says this, and when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. See, I think some people ought to shout in a loud voice to whatever the Lazarus is in your life, whatever has been taken. It may feel like it's dead, but Jesus says, no, 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 it's just asleep. I'm about to get you to speak over that thing, but I'm going to need you to lift your voice. Whatever is dead in your life, whatever Lazarus you can ascribe it to, God is saying, open your mouth and declare it to come forth. Hope come forth. Healing, come forth. Wealth, finances, come forth. Healing, come forth. Love, come forth. Forgiveness, come forth. Destiny, come forth. Vision, come forth. Whatever Lazarus feels to be dead in your life is just asleep at this moment. But you've got to speak to that thing. Lazarus would have never come out. I can't say never because God can do what he wants to do. But Lazarus didn't come out until the Lord spoke and cried out in a loud voice saying, Lazarus, come out of the grave. See, we've got to use our mouths to speak to whatever may be dead in your life. Dreams, hope, vision. You speak to the dream that God has given you. And you're saying, yet you were asleep. I am commanding you to come forth in Jesus' name. You just need to shout in a loud voice, come out. Come out and come forth. Martha's, Lazarus' sister Martha protested, but he's been dead four days. The stench will be overpowering. See, that's what the enemy says. Don't go there. That's been dead a long time. You'll never resurrect that. God can never breathe on that again. Don't you know what it'll be like? The stench will be overwhelming. The enemy says the stench, the work will be overwhelming. And God says, no, it's just a sleep. Go ahead and speak to that thing. Go ahead and speak to that vision I gave you. Go ahead and speak over the, the revival in Fort Bend County that a healing revival is going to come. See, we've got to start speaking what he says. We've got to start resurrecting what he says. In the natural, does it always look like it is? No, but we've got to speak things that are not as though they were. And whatever he has said, you've got to boldly declare, I don't care what it looks like. You will have to You'll have haters in your face saying God can't accomplish that in a small church in Sugarland. But God has said we are going to have a healing revival and we will be a part of it. So we have to declare no matter what it looks like. If there's just 12 people in here, his word is greater. His word is greater. His word is greater. And so we must stand in agreement with him and see that thing come to pass. And he's given you a mouth to speak. Your mouth to speak. I can't speak for you. I can't do it for you. I can encourage you. I can try to motivate you. But until you utter the words, 
Lazarus stays in the grave. Your circumstances, the enemy will paint a picture and tell you it's just not possible. It's over. It's done. It's finished. Never coming back. But God spoke, and Lazarus came forth. He calls things that are not as though they are. His reality, not ours. See, we're in our circumstance. He's in his reality. And he speaks to the imposition. Many times when you get a prophetic word, what's he doing? He's speaking the end result. That's why it takes us a while to get there. We don't, I got prophetic words about leading worship and about being just a crazy man on fire for God. I couldn't see it because I, I was in my circumstance. See, God spoke to what the potential was in me. Now, does it automatically happen? No. I had to fight. Almost gave up once. But I just thought many years ago, Lena always tells me to say that many years ago, many years ago. I just thought this isn't for me. It was just, it, it. But when God has a call on your life, it's not always easy. But if you'll just obey him, he will make the way. It's just true. I've seen it in my own life. Am I the most talented? No. Am I the most gifted? No. But I've surrendered myself to him, and I will do whatever he says for me to do. That's my goal. I just want to follow him. I just want to love him the way he wants me to love him. I want to accomplish what he has for me. And I've developed a pattern that when, when the enemy tells me I can't, I say, no, 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 I can't. Not on my own. I mean, if it wasn't for Pastor Easy and Lena, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be anything. I'd be lost. But they instilled in me the fighter spirit. This is what God says. And I just believed it. Because I saw it in their life. So your circumstances will always try to paint a picture of what not's possible. But God says all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Can you stand with me? James 3.17 ends like this. But the wisdom from above is first pure. No compromise, first pure. Then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial, free of hypocrisy. Verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Translated, those that sow in wholeness shall reap a harvest of wholeness. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we do repent from saying what we want to say. God, and we want to align ourselves with your words, God. We want to take back our voice that the enemy has stolen from us because in our voice is power and authority. And you have declared that we could speak things. We could say to this mountain, be removed and cast to the sea. So every obstacle that stands in our way, we declare this day, we see you and we we declare thief, we know what you're up to and we, we are exposing you thief and we are coming for what God has said we can have. Whatever the enemy has stolen in your life. I, I couldn't possibly know what the enemy has stolen. You probably have a long list because we've all been through a lot of stuff. But what I do know is 
if we speak what he says and we declare his terms over our lives, we shall see wholeness. So we thank you, Lord, that we want to live whole. We want to speak whole. And we want to align ourselves in the language of healing in order to see healing come to Fort Bend County. We bless you. We love you, God. And we thank you for transforming our hearts even more. God, we say continue to work in us until we look like you. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for speaking a word to us, God, that we will watch what we say. We'll begin to harness our tongue. We'll begin to bridle it, God. We'll begin to to really weigh the things we're saying to ourselves and towards other, because we want to be people of healing, not people that sow chaos, not people that sow discord, but people who sow unity. God, we, we love you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, we need a big shout, amen. I said a big shout, amen. Happy Mother's Day.